leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like him. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and this week I've got a very special guest. He's a fellow Sports Business Classroom alum and a regular on the program, Evan Dial. Evan, thanks so much for coming on. Always a pleasure, Garrett. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, for this episode, we are going to break down a lot of the key moves at the NBA trade deadline, which was last Thursday, and uh, also we've gotten a chance to to take a look at a few of these teams post-trade and see how they look. Uh, but uh, Evan, let's let's kick it off with uh, with a trade between uh, the, the the Los Angeles Clippers and the New York Knicks. And there, there was talks and rumors about both of the uh, the L.A. teams being interested in the services of Marcus Morris. It ends up being that the Clippers get him in large part due to the fact that they still had a first-round pick to trade while the Lakers did not. So the Clippers acquire Morris, and uh, they send out the likes of Maurice Harkless and also uh, a, a 2020 first-round pick. They also made a, a separate move to get off of the salary of Jerome Robinson, which uh, saves them some money for next year. But, uh, Evan, what were your thoughts about the deal made by uh, the Clippers? Well, I thought this was the trade we all expected to happen for, like, months because it just it made too much sense for both sides. And we thought the Lakers, they tried to get in too. But the Clippers had the, they had the pick and they had the Mo Harkless contract, which worked just, like, almost perfectly in terms of salary matching for the Clippers it makes a ton of sense right they're obviously all in as you can be right now and Marcus Morris is simply better than Mo Harkless he's having a career year he's shooting like 40% from three like he's just shooting the hell out of it 
He's another big body, another wing, another guy they could throw at LeBron, assuming they meet in the playoffs. And he's better than Mo Harkless. Like, it's a sure upgrade. It gives him more depth. Makes a ton of sense. For the Knicks, he makes no sense on that team. They're going young. They stink, even though they've been a little friskier recently. But he just didn't fit their timeline. They sold him high. They got a decent value for it. I mean, even though this year's draft is not good and the Clippers pick likely won't be that good, they could use it. Mo Harkless is expiring. He'll likely be bought out. So I thought it made sense for, for both sides, and I was surprised it honestly took so long. I thought the Clippers would even do this deal earlier. Yeah, from from the Knicks' perspective, it's a bit confusing that they, they didn't then trade Harkless a second time and try to get any value for him. Uh, they ended up they ended yes. up keeping him, and as you said, likely probably buying him out. Either that, or yeah, just have a a solid veteran on a on a team that isn't going anywhere this season. But but yeah, your all your points on Marcus Morris are great. I I, I agree with you that he's a clear upgrade. And, and yeah, not only being able to throw Morris on LeBron, but in a theoretical NBA Finals as well, having enough wings with, with legitimate strength will be important if they end up facing the Bucks as well with Giannis. No question. I mean, I've always haven't been the hugest Marcus Morris guy, but he's he's having a career year, and he's tough as all hell. And he's like he's one of those guys. He he's afraid for the moment. Like he'll he'll take big shots. He might always be the best shot selection, but he, he's the real deal. This is this is a good upgrade for the Clips. So let's move on to uh, to another deal with a, uh, a a contender in the Eastern Conference, and that is the Miami Heat. They made a deal with the Memphis Grizzlies uh, where the Heat acquired Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill. And uh, in exchange, they gave up uh, a young talent in Justice Winslow and then the really uh, bad contracts of Dion Waiters and James Johnson. And, and this was a trade that uh, we didn't get the full details for, for about 12 to 16 hours after it was initially announced. Uh, but the fact that not only did Miami upgrade for this season, you know, Iguodala right now is, is a better basketball player than Justice Winslow, but then to be able for, for Pat Riley to get off of the contracts of Waiters and Johnson frees them up to be a free agent player next offseason. This was insane wizardy by Pat Riley. I still <laughs> don't understand how this happened. I still don't understand why the Grizzlies took all that extra salary. And the fact that the Heat were able to get off the Waiters-Johnson contract without attaching any draft picks, which they don't really have, by the way, anyway. this It's just incredible. All you have to give up is Justice Winslow, who's been hurt basically the whole year. I'm still kind of a Justice Winslow believer. He was having a nice year before. He kind of found his best role as a point guard, actually, which was interesting. Then with Memphis, they obviously have a great young point guard there. He does fit their timeline, but the concern of it, A, his health and the fit, I'm not sure it's worth it taking on the extra salary, even though I know they did flip James Johnson into Minnesota. They're buying out Deion Waiters, but for Miami, this this is a this is a home run deal. Iguodala, you could still, as you said, be a player in 2021 free agency with Giannis and Oladipo and all those big fish. You have a really good team now, although I think they only improved like marginally. 
I don't like. I still think the Bucks are obviously better. I still think Toronto's better. I still think Boston's actually better. And Philly, uh, I'm uh, they're they have probably maybe we'll talk about them later. But but just alone getting off those contracts is is huge value. So a great deal by Miami. Well, yeah, and there was there was talks that. Uh... That the, the Heat were interested in acquiring Danilo Gallinari as well. Uh, but they uh, got scary. <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't able to get that one done, apparently in part due to the fact that uh, Gallo wanted longer than a, a, a one-plus-one extension. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, the, the other thing that's impressive about Miami is you mentioned they're, they're still interested in being 2021 players, but now they can be 2020 players as well. And, and potentially, if Gallo doesn't get that uh, long-term extension, they could offer him a, a good chunk of cash for a one-year deal and, and, and improve their team next offseason. So I really like that aspect of the trade. I agree that, uh, yeah, it, it's marginal improvement. The one thing I will say... Uh, about this deal that it allows Miami to to go more with the small ball lineups with Bam at the five, given that uh, Iguodala and Crowder can both play the small ball four. And and the more flexibility that you can have with your roster, the better prepared you are for uh, for a postseason run. For sure. And obviously, I mean, so far I've only seen Igu- it'll be interesting to see how Iguodala looks after the time, but obviously he's a battle-tested, super smart player extra defender he, he fits what they're doing they can play smaller but it, it is a sh- I do want if they did get Gallo I really thought they would be legit contenders and yeah if they get him next offseason I think he fits perfectly there yeah I, I got to see uh, Iguodala and Crowder's debut against uh, against Portland and they both looked really good Iggy looks uh, you know he looks like he's in shape he's uh, he's really good at, uh, defensively still he he, he seems to be a guy that just he, he brings so much basketball IQ out there on the floor. He was instructing guys where to go. It looked like the same Iguodala to me. Uh, so, so yeah, solid move for, for Miami. Let's move more to, to the Memphis side of things. And again, this is a big bet on Justice Winslow. You said you're a believer in the guy. Uh, you know, the injury concerns, though, are, are a big issue. And, and my other thing with, with this deal is, not only are you losing the Memphis loses their cap space for for this offseason, but I think they hurt their current roster and and they're in a bid to try to make the playoffs this season. I agree. Definitely the cap space for me was the most perplexing like why. <laughs> yeah. And then and then now, yeah, I mean Jay Crowder was starting for them and was solid and I guess you could say like how much of a downgrade is it to the Kyle Andersons of the world, but it's a bit, and Deion Waiters are not even using, James Johnson they're not even using, so they don't really get much, and, and with Justice Winslow, it's like, who knows when he comes back, I mean, he tried coming back early the year, and immediately went back, it seems to be like a confusing injury, so there's a question is if he's even going to help them all this year, and if they, and, you know, if they can still hold on to that last playoff spot, their schedule's about to get brutal too. I just saw it, but I don't. I mean, maybe they can. They've been they've been the fun story of the season for me. I still love watching them play. It'll be interesting to see just how good this guy is. I mean, I, I see him at best as like a, a a quality starter, 
and and this is a lot to give up even just for even just for that giving up your your entire cap space which typically if uh if you've got near max cap space you can get a quality starter in free agency so uh yeah it, it'll be fascinating to see that was a it was a big time bet for a team that uh you know still has some uh, still has some chips in their corner but uh, that was that was a big chunk of them right there uh, let's move on now to uh, to uh, another trade. This was maybe the the most surprising deal of the deadline, and that is the the Golden State Warriors trading D'Angelo Russell to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Andrew Wiggins and also Minnesota's 2021 first round pick. It's top three protected in 2021, and then it becomes unprotected in 2022. Evan, what were your thoughts on this blockbuster? This was surprised. So we heard all the talks. We knew how bad Minnesota wanted D'Angelo Russell. Carl Anthony Towns was getting super unhappy. They were going nowhere there. They were becoming the most miserable team in the league. But we never thought Golden State and Minnesota could agree on a deal, and then it happened. So there's a lot of angles to this trade. I like it for Minnesota more, even though... I get that D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns could equal a bottom 10 defense. But offensively, I think, A, they'll be filthy. I think they may become one of the best pick-and-roll combos there is. I mean, you can't switch that duo. They both can shoot. It's going to be, I think that has high upside, and it has value, and it keeps Carl Anthony Towns happy, who they have a huge deal with, and he's a franchise star. They didn't have to give up a pick next year, and I know next year's draft is stronger. But they also get a decent other guy, a couple young guys, and Evans and Spellman. And Wiggins, like, getting off of that contract has value. Like, just in a vacuum, D'Angelo Russell, you may think he's overrated. I would take him 100 times over Andrew Wiggins. Like, at least he gets buckets. <laughs> right. Now, Andrew Wiggins at Golden State, I get it. The culture, the fit, they're not asking him to be a star. It's hard to find wings. Everyone's saying he could be the Harrison Barnes role. Look, you remember when Andrew Wiggins had that hot start this year? Yeah. And the only really thing that I thought he actually improved this year was his playmaking. He's, He's definitely gotten better as a passer, and I give him credit for that, but He's still 33% from three. He's still barely above 70% from the line. and doesn't even get to the line much, considering how athletic he is. And his defense is just not good, considering his potential. So, I think it's a little overstated, just like, oh, he'll just totally change in Golden State. I think it's an okay trade for Golden State. I get it helped him get out of the tax. But now you're stuck with that Wiggins contract, and along with Steph, Draymond, and Clay, you have, like, no wiggle room to add around that. That is your core, and Steph has got injury concerns. He's getting older. Clay's coming off a serious injury. And it's just like, sure, will they be a playoff team probably next year? Of course, but I think their ceiling has now lowered, if that made sense. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, you know... You talking about that that Wiggins contract? I mean, to me, just taking that contract was worth the pick that they got, and uh, yes. you know, then you're giving also 
the, the Timberwolves a player in Russell that they actively wanted. So the value doesn't seem right here. It seems to me they should have gotten two firsts for this, one for, for taking on Wiggins and one for giving up Russell. Uh, so, yeah, that that is uh, is confounding. And, you know, I heard uh, on – I was watching the, the Jumps trade deadline special, and, and Brian Windhorst was also talking about, you know, he, he gets that this, this upcoming draft – is uh, is is looking you know not so great, but at the same time, if you got Minnesota's draft pick this year, it's much more likely to be a really high pick, and and you never know how good Minnesota will turn out to be next season. Exactly. Yeah, the fact that they did that with this year's pick didn't make sense to me, and I don't know. For, and for Minnesota, like it's a it's a fresh start, and like. You had Russell, Towns, Culver, like who they got Beasley and Herta Gomez from Denver. It's like, I'm not saying it's amazing, but you're at least starting to have a foundation there. And just getting rid of Wiggins, I think it was just kind of toxic and done. I think there's value in that too. So I think, I think Minnesota got a bit of a fresh start, which I think they desperately needed. Yeah, let's move on to that uh, that other trade that the Timberwolves made that was a it was a four teamer uh, involving the the Houston Rockets, the Atlanta Hawks, the the Timberwolves, and uh, the the Denver Nuggets, and uh, the, you know this had twelve players and a, and a bunch of stuff, but I'll I'll just focus on on the main things. The the Houston Rockets gave up Clint Capella to the Atlanta Hawks and acquired Robert Covington and Jordan Bell. They then shipped Jordan Bell to Memphis for Bruno Caboclo. Uh, the, uh, the the Atlanta Hawks acquired Capella and sent out a uh, a Brooklyn Nets 2020 first round pick. That should be a decent pick in the in the 15 to 20 range. And that pick goes to the Timberwolves. Then the uh, the the Denver Nuggets sent out uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez and uh, Malik Beasley to Minnesota, and, and Denver acquires Houston's first-round pick, and also they got to Shabazz Napier that they later traded to Washington for Jordan McRae. Uh, so so that's, uh, that's most of the, the inner workings of that four-teamer. But, uh, yeah, let, let's talk about Minnesota first because we were just uh, breaking down their, their uh, whole deadline. But, but getting the likes of, of Wancho and Beasley guys that are still young, they fit their timeline, they're going to be restricted free agents this offseason, so it looks like uh, you know with the, the current market that they're going to get them on reasonable deals and also acquiring a, a first-round pick for, for giving Houston Covington seems to me like that's, a, that's another solid deal for Minnesota. Agreed. I, I think it will get everyone. I think this actually made sense for everyone, which is weird with the 14 trade. But for Minnesota, you get two young players in Herna Gomez and Beasley, plus the pick. It's, it's all Herna Gomez is a decent stretch for. Beasley is a really confident, solid shooter, willing to take big shots, decent defender. He fits their timeline, too. Now they got a bunch of players around the same age. Again, I liked it for Min- Minnesota had a really solid deadline. Yeah, they uh, they were able to, you know. I still think they're they're as you said with with Russell and Towns that combination. They're not going to be good defensively, 
but they at least now have an offensive identity. They're, they're a shooting basketball team. They can surround their superstar in, in Carl Anthony Towns with, with a lot of spacing. And, you know, the, now they've got two first-round picks, including their own, which they didn't have to, they didn't have to give up in that, uh, in that Russell Wiggins swap. Uh, to, to, to build to this young core. And, and, yeah, they can probably focus more on defense from here on out. I also low-key kind of like that they got James Johnson from Memphis. Yeah. He quietly has been playing pretty decently in Miami after some inju- injuries. And he just gives them that defense, just like tough guy, I'll guard someone really good. I, I kind of like that they got him too. Yeah, and give, giving up a guy in Jang who was playing reasonably well, but they had a, a third center in Nas Reed that uh, has has looked pretty good since he's been yeah. uh, propelled to to the backup center spot. Yeah, I, I got to watch a couple of their games uh, since the trade, and and yeah, they absolutely eviscerated the the Clippers, hitting I think twenty six threes, and then even. Uh, even the other night against the Raptors, they, they looked pretty good against Toronto for most of the game. The game got out of hand in the last five or six minutes. But they've been more competitive. It looks like, you know, the there, there may have been an issue with, with Wiggins and, and the locker room in general, but it seems like all of these moves have, have given the team new life. Agreed, and I'm, I think offensively this team has, like, really high potential. And I know that, so I'm excited. They're gonna be fun to watch. Absolutely, yeah. I think they could, uh, they could even, they could even come close to being a top five offense here in the next few years. I think they're, they could be that good. Uh, so let's move on now to to the Houston Rockets part of of this of this deal, and this is fascinating for them. Uh, you know, again, getting rid of. Uh, Clint Capella, one of uh, you know a borderline top ten center in the NBA, and acquiring the three and D wing in Covington, a guy that is an excellent help defender, uh, and and so far he has looked great, and, and Houston has been has been playing really good basketball, including a, a rejuvenated Russell Westbrook has has been playing extremely well. Yeah, so I like this for Houston, and I might I might be in the minority, but Clint Capella was their only real trade piece. He's been banged up and hasn't been having his best year. And now, you see without Compella what it's doing for Westbrook. It just opens up the floor too much. He's not even taking jump shots anymore. He's just driving relentlessly. And he can still get to the rim with the best of them and put so much pressure on the defense. And that's why he's playing the best basketball we've seen him play in a couple years right now. Unfortunately, that hasn't coincided with Harden. I think he's been getting a little worn out, maybe not 100% healthy. But still, to add Covington, one of the best help defenders, a really solid three-point shooter, a confident shooter, they're going to be really tough to play. And they have ways of dealing with, you know, the bigger boys are going to play in Denver, Utah, and L.A., you know, sending doubles and running off offensive rebounds, stuff like that. I do wish they just got one solid, trustful rotation big for the player. Like, even if they just got Marvin Williams off a buyout, who could just soak up some minutes as a small ball five. Yeah. I do worry about Tucker getting a little bit worn out. But I think this actually elevates their ceiling than their team with Capella. 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I agree about your point of, of, you know, just having, even for the regular season, just having those, uh, you know, using some baseball terminology, some innings eaters for to, to keep P.J. Tucker yes, fresh. Yes, just, just one. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and it looked like maybe that was going to be Jordan Bell because, again, they acquired Bell yeah. in that same deal, but then they shipped him off for, for Bruno Caboclo. Uh, but, but, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me. You know, obviously the... You know, the, there could be a matchup where the the lack of center might be an issue for them. But we saw in their in their first game against uh, against the Lakers, they were able to force the Lakers to to uh, forego their traditional centers that they have in their rotation in, in Howard and McGee. Um, we we saw in their in their recent game against Utah, which was uh, which was a great one. Uh, the uh, the idea that Rudy Gobert ended up guarding Russell Westbrook, and that's an interesting. I, I like that strategy from teams playing their their center to just uh, you know let Westbrook fire away. Although you know he he has been shooting better at least from from mid range. I mean, just it was crazy to see Rudy Gobert consistently guard Russell Westbrook, and it was just just to see where we're at in the NBA and change of styles. And just one more point, and I know people worry about how they're going to deal with bigs, but big teams are going to have to deal with them as well. Right. And, and being spaced out and chasing shooters off the three-point line and constantly rotating and getting back in transition. So I do think people get lost. Like, it's two-way. It presents problems on both sides. Yeah, uh, that what you just mentioned is something that I think uh, Chris we- Weber is unable to understand as he was he was <laughs> broadcasting their first game uh, going small against the Lakers and, and he kept bringing up that the uh, you know them having no center is going to be so bad for their defense they've got no rim protection they not he he never mentioned uh, that uh, how how much the the spacing helps them on the other end there's definitely a give and take there. I haven't heard too many people talking about this, but this was clearly, to me, a financial move that Daryl Morey was forced to make by the owner, Tillman Fertitta, uh, you know, to get off of that contract of Capella. The Rockets saved a ton of money in this deal, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, a, a move where you save money cannot also be a move that, uh, that helps you win basketball games, but to me, that was the, the main main reason that this deal even happened. Agree, yeah, and that was it, because before the deadline, there were reports that the owner gave Maury a green light that they could go into the luxury tax, and then they end up just saving a bunch of money. And I and I think you said it, you can, it doesn't always or often happen like this, but you can have a good move and save money, and I think that has value for the Rockets. I mean, look, they have so much money tied up into Harden and Westbrook, it's been so hard to find trades for them and ways to improve their team around them because they have such little wiggle room. And now they've created some wiggle room and I think marginally improved their team. So maybe this offseason they could find just a cheap, decent center. Like, I don't know, like even like an Alex Len. <laughs> just, just to soak up like the 10-15 minute roll. Right. I thought that would have been fine. Yeah, and there's still an opportunity potentially that some somebody uh, you know will will be available on the buyout market. There's been some talk uh, about potentially Tristan Thompson now that the Cavs have acquired Drummond, and and yeah, I would say as far as uh, 
as far as you know what's going to be the most available position at the buyout time it's it's likely going to be center so they could get somebody at that point but yeah we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see on that but yeah you mentioned you know in the eastern conference with Miami getting Iguodala that that, that was more of a a marginal upgrade how do you feel with this for for Houston does this put them in your mind in the upper echelon with the uh, the LA teams I would still say the LA teams are ahead of them, but I would, and I know Utah's, I mean, it's tough, like Denver, Utah, and Houston are all so close to me, and it's really going to depend on home court and matchups and things like that, but look, of those three teams, I think Houston still has the best player, Harden, even though he hasn't been the best recently, so I would put a Houston slightly above those two teams. But if they have to start on the road, I don't know. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be fascinating. I, I think for me, the the biggest thing that this helped Houston is it helped them potentially against the Lakers. And again, we saw it in that matchup where if you can force the Lakers to the, the Lakers already don't have the greatest depth, but if you can force their two centers to to basically not be able to play. Then, then you know we we saw in that game they had Alex Caruso out there in the closing lineup, uh, and and yeah that that gives Houston a legitimate chance in that matchup. Uh, I still think that you know the the Clippers are are far and away uh, you know just too good for them because the Clippers can can downsize as well and they've just got more talent than the Rockets. But let's move on to uh, we still have a couple of teams to talk about in that four team deal. And uh, right, let's let's move to uh, to the Atlanta side of that discussion, and the Hawks making the bet on on the young center Clint Capella, having to give up a a mid tier first round pick, but not their own first. What are your thoughts of that for uh, for the Hawks? Atlanta just needed talent, and they needed the most at the center position. Capella gives them a solid rim runner and decent defender. So that I get. They didn't have to give up too much to get him, so I think that's fine. I'm not. I don't love the Collins Capella fit because I think Collins too is at his best when he's just rim running. And by the way, John Collins has been balling recently. Oh yeah. My goodness. <laughs> and I mean, he's looking like an all star, even though it's too late now. But. You know, he can shoot a bit and do other things, so I think they can work him out. But So I think I think it's fine. I know you can't be too picky with fit when you're trying to get talent. And look, Atlanta wants to get talent before Trey Young starts complaining and give me nothing to work with. They want to build this thing sooner rather than later. So I get it. It makes sense. It doesn't – it's not a, like a terrible contract or anything. So to me, I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, he's got Capella has three years, fifty-one million left on that deal. I think that's a that's a pretty pretty reasonable contract, right on point with yeah. with his value. Again, I think he's borderline around a top ten center in the league. He's a two-way center, good on both ends of the floor. So yeah, I think that's a, a solid move. And and yeah, I agree with you in terms of the the fit between him and Collins. And the other interesting thing is you thought that. As you said, Collins may be best as a as a small ball five, especially offensively. And the thought initially would be, okay, so they start Capella and Collins together, but then Collins will come out and and then be the backup center. But then Atlanta goes and uh, and trades for 
for Dwayne Dedman from the Sacramento Kings and, and fills that backup center position. Yeah, a reunion for Dedman, who, that was a... By the way, can we make fun of Sacramento for a quick minute? <laughs> sure. They signed Dwayne Dedman and Trevor Ariza this offseason, and now both are off the team for basically nothing. It's just like... It makes no sense. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> the the fact that uh, the Kings also had to... to give away two second-round picks to Atlanta to, to for uh, the Hawks to take Deadman back, and uh, they get Alex Len and Jabari Parker in return. But, yeah, uh, absolutely, uh, you know, I, I thought that was a good move for Sacramento in the offseason, but it clearly wasn't working. And uh, Atlanta just makes a bet that the Dwayne Deadman that they had in their system last year is going to be, you know, that's who, he's, who he is as opposed to what we saw with him in Sacramento. Right, yeah, and he, he's already been a little bit better. Um, and I guess they could potentially trade him again this offseason so they can use Collins more as a small ball five, which I love on offense, but on defense, that's yikes. Um, and I guess you can play Collins and Deadman together sometimes too, so that, that's that's fine, and it gives them more depth. And Atlanta's, look, they've, they've been a little bit better recently, and they still haven't even got Capella yet. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fascinating to see what Atlanta does, especially with their with their draft pick this off season. Uh, they still need a uh, uh, a backup point guard, and uh, they um, uh, although they acquired Jeff Teague, but uh, you know he I think he's a free agent this off season. So the, yep, so they'll they'll need to figure that situation out. They could still use probably another wing, um, and and hopefully they get some development from their couple of draft picks from. From, from this past draft. But uh, moving on now to uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers, they made a couple of low-key moves. They traded uh, three second-round picks. They were all pretty low second-round picks, though, so they're not going to be that valuable, uh, to the Golden State Warriors and acquired Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III. And then they also made a, a separate move because they didn't have enough roster spots. They traded James Ennis to the Orlando Magic for a second round pick. So do you feel like Philadelphia made themselves better here with those couple of moves? I love this for Philly. I thought they had such a thin room just to be able to improve this team without making a major blow-up trade. And obviously things have been turbulent. And they were able to get two players without giving up any players. Obviously they gave Ennis up in a separate deal. But look, Robinson's a solid defender and he's a pretty good shooter. Burks is having a quietly a career year in Golden State. He's taking more threes than he's making them at a good clip now. Plus, he has a little off-the-bounce game, which is the two things Philly needed the most. And to get those for three low draft picks is great. And this is just an upgrade. You get two depth pieces that are better than, like, Robinson and Burks are better players than James Ennis and Mike Scott. They just are. So now Philly has more lineup flexibility. They have more depth. It's not a huge move. It's not earth-shattering, but it helps, and any improvement they can with that team right now is great. I love this deal for Philly. Interesting. So uh, I, I disagree a little bit. Now, I, I, I loved the fact that, yeah, the, the, the draft picks they gave up were 
um, you know, basically meaningless. They didn't have much value, and, and yeah, they were just taking a couple of guys on because Golden State needed to get uh, rid of their salaries. Uh, but, you know, and, and yes, I, I will say that Burks and Robinson, at least in this regular season, have been better than James Ennis. But I really, I thought Ennis was great for uh, for Philadelphia in last year's playoffs, and I have still yet to see Glenn Robinson III and Alec Burks play well in the postseason. And until I see that, I question whether this is actually an upgrade for them. That's true. I mean, they're they're being thrown from a lottery team where they could just jack up and do whatever into the fire. And that's a fair question. And in the first game, they actually didn't even play Burks. They just played Robinson. So we'll see. And now, all of a sudden, though, Furkan Korkmaz is going bananas. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is good. So, I mean, he may start playing more, but... I guess I just like, I mean, it was just, it's so little risk, right? It's just like three late second round picks. They're at least the type of players they need. Is there some question how they do in the playoffs? Sure, but look, even in the regular season, I think Philly's goal right now is they, they just have to say to themselves, we got to get to the four seed. If we can start the playoffs at home, things can be salvageable because we've seen the difference in them on the home and the road it's just crazy right and and not only the uh, you know getting to the four seed gets you home court advantage but but uh, it would also set up a second round matchup with the bucks which this roster was built to uh, to play the milwaukee bucks um and right and it, i think they can still push milwaukee despite how tough their season has been i agree uh, the challenge for me is seeing them beat Whatever team, uh, in the event that they get the four seed and, and am able to to get through, you know, not only the first round matchup but then through through the Bucks, I'm I'm worried about them actually beating the likes of a, a Boston or a Toronto. That's where I have a little bit of a challenge. But yeah, it's uh it's interesting. I certainly would have also liked to see them go for something a little bit bigger here to try to do a bigger upgrade. That was that was my next question for you was you look at teams Toronto, Boston, and even Philly to a certain extent, and Milwaukee, uh, you know, all of those teams, and even Indiana, all of the teams vying for, you know, the Eastern Conference crown, none of them made that major move that we saw last year at the deadline. No, I mean, yeah, Boston, Toronto, nothing. I guess Milwaukee added my boy Marvin Williams in the buyout market. Um... And yeah, Miami obviously made their trade we talked about. But, I mean, I get, look, Toronto's won, like, 13 games in a row. 15 now. I can see why they're like, okay, let's just roll with this squad. We're pretty good. Right. Um, yeah. Austin's playing really well recently, too. So, I get not dis- disturbing the, the good vibes. Yeah, the, the thing with, especially Milwaukee, you know, they, they, they made the decision this past offseason to let Malcolm Brogdon walk, and they got a first and second round pick from the Pacers for doing so. And if Milwaukee was going to make a move to, you know, to put them over the top, it was going to be at this deadline with that pick, and they didn't make it. How disappointed were you that the, the Bucks didn't chip in on, on those assets? I was a little disappointed. I thought for sure they were going to. There's a lot of rumors they weren't going to use that pick. Um, but I guess if not, I mean nothing came that they liked or that was too heavy. 
you also can't complain because they're what like 45 and 7 <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're really good yeah and I like that they got Marvin Williams I think he gives them even more flexibility and is a little better than Ilya Sova so again I can't beat up any of those three teams for not making a move with how well they've been playing so if nothing came across they liked I always say it's better to do nothing than something dumb <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, there, there was talks that they were interested in getting uh, Bogdanovich from Sacramento, but that move that the Kings made to get off of Deadman, I think, was in part so that they would have the finances to, to re-sign Bogdanovich this offseason. Yeah, I think he would have put a couple of teams over the top. He's a really, really talented player, and there are a couple teams, yeah, like your Milwaukee's, like your, like your 76ers that that needed a little bit extra creation. Uh, so, so yeah, the I do agree though. The Mark getting Marvin Williams on the buyout that's a good pickup. He allows Budenholzer to play a little bit more of Giannis at the five as well. Uh, which, uh, yeah, you, which you, is just the most terrifying lineup in the world. Right, and you need that flexibility in you know to, to get through four playoff rounds. But but yeah, the the, the last news you you mentioned it briefly uh, the fact that Darren Collison uh, was was talked about as potentially joining the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, the Lakers they they need some more playmaking. They need some more talent at the back end of that roster. He ends up choosing to stay retired. So my question for you, Evan, is what do the Lakers do now? Well, they, they got to go. I mean, there's not much left, right? And there's rumors about Dion Waiters, who is like, okay, like I would take a flyer on him because why not? You do need to improve your depth. And if he doesn't work, like it's fine. I guess Red, there's room Reggie Jackson maybe in Detroit, but there's not a lot of, they needed a Darren Carlson, a secondary ball handler who can also shoot off the ball. And honestly, as much as like he's Dion Waiters, Dion Waiters, I think is the closest to that. So I would, I would go with him. Like it's the best of not much left. Yeah, I mean, they there was there's talks that they uh, they brought J.R. Smith's corpse to uh, to their facility for a tryout. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I don't think there's a lot of great options. I also would have liked Marvin Williams on the Lakers as well. Again, yes. another, just to give them a little bit more depth with those AD at the five lineups. Uh, but, but yeah, now that, uh, now that he's gone, now that they didn't get Marcus Morris, uh, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of, a lot of things left to do for, for the Lakers. So Evan, let's move on to our, uh, to our winners and losers here. And uh, yeah, why don't you uh, why don't you give us a couple of, of the teams that you thought did really well? One Miami for sure to get mainly just to get off both the James Johnson and Dion Waiters picks without giving up draft capital is still amazing. Two Minnesota for getting a franchise point guard plus picks plus a couple nice young guys in Beasley and Herna Gomez did a really nice job. Clippers for getting Morris, who just fits perfectly for them and didn't give up too much. And I'll, I'll go Houston for I like their move as well, so they would be my four. Okay, interesting. So yeah, I um, yes, I had the uh, the Clippers Heat 
and the the Timberwolves. And then I also had the the Atlanta Hawks. I think the the Hawks did yeah. really well to to get Capella, who again is is a. Uh, is pretty close to their timetable and also on a really good deal locked up for the next three years. I think uh, you know it'll it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully he stays healthy for them, but uh, I think he's a big upgrade at a position of need for them, and they only had to give up a, a mid-first-round pick in a bad draft. So I like what they did as well, but I agree with all of your other selections. Let's move on now to the losers, and, and I'll start. Uh, you know the the Lakers have to be a loser. You know I think the the fact that they they lost in the in the Morris sweepstakes. There was rumors that they weren't willing to offer Kyle Kuzma. I think that is a mistake. Uh, they're in win now mode, and and frankly, Marcus Morris is just significantly better than Kyle Kuzma is. I agree. Just the fact that they weren't able to improve at all, and now that Darren Carlson turned them down, it just People thought uh, the Clippers were already ahead of them, and now I think they cemented that. And look, they're going to need—they're going to need a superhuman LeBron in the playoffs, and a superhuman AD because the rest. I mean, the centers—you don't know about them in the playoffs, especially in certain matchups. You have so many guys who are up and down, like Bradley, Rondo, KCP. The only guys you can really trust is like Danny Green because he's been there and stuff like that. So their depth is limited. So I agree, they're a loser, and I don't know. They gotta they gotta find something, or they're just their two guys just have to be spectacular. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. But we we've seen all year long that the you know the the Lakers have been a, a great basketball team they're around plus 10 with with LeBron and Davis on the floor together they're around plus 11 with no Davis but LeBron but they are minus over they're over minus 7 with uh, with just Davis and no LeBron and and I think that's a big r- part of why you know they they needed that uh, secondary ball handler you know Davis is as good as he is he is a guy that I think is best when he's being set up uh, yes. And, uh, yeah, so I had a couple of other teams as losers. Uh, I had the Denver Nuggets. Again, I think, you know, they got a first-round pick, but it's going to be a bad first-round pick from the Houston Rockets. And they, you know, again, they're a team that were avoiding the tax. And in doing so, they cost themselves two young pieces that were, um, you know, I think very capable, solid players that they could have signed to reasonable deals this offseason if they held on to them. So they are a loser in my eyes, and then also the Golden State Warriors. You know, we there was, uh, you know, I was uh, in the camp that the initial move to get Russell was a mistake, and everyone was saying, "Well, wait, wait till they make that Russell move and see who they get." Um, and and now that they've gotten Andrew Wiggins, I'm even more down on it than I was initially. Agreed, and uh, with Denver. You wish if they did cash in some of their depth, it would be for someone who was really worth it. Right. Like, I kind of wanted them to go all in on, like, a Drew Holiday at the deadline and really make a splurge. And if that cost some depth, I would have been okay with it. But here they only got a shitty first-round pick and Bates Diop, who I actually kind of still like as a bench player, but it's still not worth it, of course. <laughs> and then agreed, I mean, we talked about the Warriors. It just... It's just such a, eh, I wouldn't have done a trade. I don't think it's a total train wreck, but I do think it makes them a loser. 
Yeah, did you have anybody else in your, your loser category outside of those uh, three? Memphis, Memphis. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, for just taking on way too much salary, messing up their cap space, getting a player who likely will have injury issues, even though I hope he doesn't, and uh, Justice Winslow. It just they, they were doing all the right things, and they could still be fine. They got a young core. They still have some other picks coming, like from the Conley deal. But it just... It seemed unnecessary. Yeah, I agree. I didn't quite put them as a loser because, you know, if if Winslow works out, you know, they've added a piece, a piece that, uh, you know, again, fits with their timetable and also fits a position of need as well. And, yeah, if he becomes a quality starter, he's on a decent contract. Uh, you know, I still think, you know, yeah, losing the, the cap space for this summer and, and potentially losing, uh, you know, a few more games this year hurts them a bit. But again, in the end, if, if it ends up being that Winslow is a quality piece for, for many years to come in this Memphis Grizzlies organization, I think it'll have been worth it. Uh, but, but yeah, it's uh, it was a fascinating deadline. There was, yeah. There was, I guess the monetary, I kind of thought, uh, I, there was just so many, like, how much is going to happen, and there weren't a ton of the the biggest names, but some really interesting deals, and I think we're set up for a really intense stretch run, and I, I can't wait for the playoffs. I think they're going to be really good this year. Yeah, and you know the NBA made that uh, change, I believe it was last year, where they put the, the trade deadline ahead of the All-Star game. They didn't want yes. uh, the situation where, it was, I, think, I believe it was DeMarcus Cousins was traded while he was yeah. in the All-Star locker room. Um, but uh, I, I actually really like the move, not only to avoid those sorts of awkward situations, but I like the chance to to get a look at these teams even prior to the, this All-Star break. Uh, it, it's been fun. It rejuvenates me as a basketball fan to, to see some change and to see these new-look teams and, and to really start to gauge where these teams are when it comes to, to potentially competing for titles. But, uh, yeah, Evan, this was, uh, this was a heck of a lot of fun. Thanks so much for coming on and, and chatting with me. My pleasure. Happy to do it. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can, uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again, a rating on there. Uh, that uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me uh, on Twitter at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g bouguet at onu edu. So uh, feel free to uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from uh, from the people listening to the program and uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar and uh, have a great rest of your day. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.